Good morning, Cam. Happy Sunday. Morning, Kalen. Happy Sunday to you. How are you? Doing pretty well, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. I um last night was well, how do I even start this sentence? I have decided <laughs> to experiment with sleeping on the floor. So <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so last night was my first night of sleeping on the floor. Um so that's what I'm coming out of this morning. That's uh, interesting. Is this for your back? Yes, primarily. Yeah. Well, I yes, primarily it's for my back. So but also like I guess Oh, this must have been, wow, time flies. Two or so years ago, uh, when we had had a fire next door, so I lost most of my things like mattresses and such, mm-hmm. my mattress. Um, and after that, I was like, I don't need a mattress. I don't ever want to go through that again. Who needs a mattress? I should just start sleeping on the floor, you know? Um, and, <laughs> like most people would do. Yes. Yeah, sure. so I was like, got into a very like, specific state of mind where I really didn't want to own things. I think because I was just scared of like losing them all over again or I also realized like they don't have they don't bring that much joy to my life and they're like I don't know. It's not worth it. Anyway. been there. Yeah. I've, I've gone through waves. Over time you just end up be- I ended up becoming like very consumeristic again. I wouldn't say very but more than I wanted to be. Point mm-hmm. being I had considered it back then but then I, I got a partner and yeah it's a bit weirder when if you to ask someone else to sleep on the floor i did try to pitch this to him but you know he wasn't super interested um, how long were you sleeping on the floor then before like a couple months kind of no i never did it like oh, because okay. i kind of just like moved i moved away for a bit then i moved back and i was already in a relationship i bought a bed you know um yeah, yeah. anyways <laughs> anyways um and then yeah recently i just yeah i've been having a lot of back issues and it just popped into my head again the other day and then, you know, as as the Internet does, I started getting served all these YouTube videos of people who sleep on the floor. Um, so I was like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm yeah, doing yeah. an ex- I'm experimenting with it. It went pretty well. I I use a whoop band, which is like a fitness tracker, but it also tracks your sleep quality and sleep cycles and all of that. So I'm going to like it was kind of actually like just normal yesterday in terms of sleep performance. But I'm going to see how things shift over time and how i feel um uh, is I it like I- carpet or straight up hardwood or like a, a mat like you no, got those mats <laughs> in the the one room <laughs> those yeah, so would be kind of cushy yeah so i didn't sleep in the gym area just because like if someone if diego wants to go to the kitchen or whatever then he'd be walking past me so i slept in my office so you can see the carpet behind me um which no one else can see so i slept on the carpet and for then those I just, listening it's a decorated carpet uh nice green and gray um with intricate design yeah, so, yeah so i just put a blanket on top of that like a, a small throw blanket and then i just use my duvet and a pillow a lot of people don't sleep with a pillow but i'm not i'm not ready for that step yet so that's where i'm at i have been trying to like improve my sleep over the past bit as well and like um my first step towards that was like getting one of those Tempur-Pedic pillows, like the the ones that are like memory foam, I guess. And it's right. kind of like a, they call it a neck pillow. And it kind of like shapes, you know, they're like weird shape and it goes, it's supposed to, go, I don't know. I could not get used to it. Like every now yeah. and then I'll try and break it out again. This thing was not cheap either. And it's just like, I don't know. It's too hard. Like it, it, I think as someone who like often moves around at night, it was too much for me. And then uh, I also tried this or my most recent addition is I bought a weighted blanket. Mm. Um, 
and I'm trying that out. And actually, I do feel like that is has been pretty good so far. And it yeah. kind of instead, because I'm actually, I don't know if you're the same way, um, but it kind of sounds like it based on liking sleeping on the floor. Like I've tried that kind of, I like I've tried sleeping on the floor as well because like I've had pretty bad back issues before and I've, um, my old mattress was like rock hard. Right. I love like a firm mattress. Um, and Gabby's mattress is like quite soft and it just does not work with me very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. It just, it, so I'm actually, it's too early to tell. It's only been like a week with this weighted blanket, but, um, and it's kind of awkward. It's like a single person size. Right. Uh, so it like isolates you from your partner and like, uh, yeah, but I'm trying to figure it out. But so far, yeah, I think I'm I'm coming up with some things that are helping. It is kind of nice. Like I'll actually just double it up because I feel like this thing's 20 pounds. You're supposed to do like 10% of your body weight. So that's right. about that. Um, But it, I still felt like I could use more. And so I like just doubled it and then only covered like the top half. And then, uh, and then it just felt like, yeah, someone's just sitting on me, which is yeah. like, how I want to sleep, definitely. Yeah, I hear you. I've I've also tried both of these items, like, and also <laughs> like I realized that Diego bought both of them for me, and I don't use either of them. Like, I, <laughs> I we had the ND pillow, which is kind of like a memory foam one too, and yeah. I just thought it's too hard. I can't do it. I do like the weighted blanket, but I didn't want to sleep with it every night, and so now Diego sleeps with it every night. And I also remembered as uh as I was just saying this. The second reason that I wanted to try sleeping on the floor was to see how it impacted my wake up time because I have this theory that by sleeping on a harder surface or something that's less just comfy, I'm not going to want to go Stay back to sleeping sleep. in. Yeah. Um, and I, I yeah, the, good call. the strongest sleep period of my life was when I was living in Colombia for a couple months. And there was a lot of factors there that I've tried to replicate, but I realized the other day that one of them was a rock solid bed that my roommate wouldn't even sleep on. Like <laughs> she, she tried to sleep on it the first night and then we had to switch rooms. So yeah, no, I love those beds that yeah. are just like you go to those hostels or like someone's grandparents house and it's just this rock and you're like, yeah, I'll take the rock, please. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we shall see how it goes. I'm going to, I'm just going to probably, I took a video before last night too and I'm going to just keep recording my progress in terms of my like sleep performance and also how I'm feeling and uh, I'll report back. Before we move on, yeah, I like got, or Gabby got me one of those like a Fitbit um, last year for Christmas and um, I was wanting to use that to like track my sleep habits. Um, but then uh, I just found like I can't wear this thing on my wrist overnight yep. and even throughout the day. But especially when I have it just like 24 hours on, it just like feel like I just it feels like someone's like pressing on me. Kind of the same as when I had this pillow, to be honest. It just yeah. feels like someone's like, you know, pushing you a, a bit all the time. And you're like, stop. Um, and I saw like now there are like rings or something that can do the yeah. same thing. So I'm actually considering that because I, I could, I don't know, maybe wear a ring. I've never tried it. <laughs> Probably yeah. would fail at that too. So Yeah, but. I've never tried the rings either. And I've had, the, I, it's funny, I was talking to my mom the other day about the Fitbits too. She has the same situation, tried to sleep with it. It was uncomfortable. I used to use a Fitbit, but this band, which I know you've seen before, the Whoop yeah. band, it's very thin. 
So I don't, it's the only one that I don't notice at all when I sleep. Um, but it's a, it's a monthly subscription product. So like, hmm. it, like up to you, most people don't want to add like 30 something dollars a month to, uh, their expenses, I gather. Yeah. I mean, unless I knew, you know, that I would actually wear it maybe, yeah. but yeah, maybe I'll have to try something out. But yeah, for now, I'll just keep sleeping somewhat okay with this weighted blanket until I need my new consumeristic product to to serve me good sleep. Yeah, I'll uh, <laughs> just just wait. Maybe I'll turn it around and like pitch you on sleeping on the floor, and then <laughs> and we'll see how our partners uh, do with this over time. <laughs> uh, Gabby wouldn't mind. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, um, so that was get my into intro. It. <laughs> I um I've seen you just like tweeting up a storm the past week. It seems like you have a lot going on, so I'm curious to hear. Uh yeah, it's been pretty productive couple weeks. Um even with all the tweeting going on. <laughs> <laughs> um which I can honestly say is a bit of a distraction. Like anytime I try to go hard on the Twitter, it goes hard on me and then it becomes like this like addictive thing and <laughs> I gotta like figure that shit out. Um, yeah. To be, but yeah, um, it is feeling like there's good progress. I can't, I guess last time we talked, we didn't even have an update, but I can't remember if I had uh, probably, I think I just finished making the marketing site and maybe hadn't launched yes. it yet. Um, and so I launched that. It's just a landing page that can, uh, people can come sign up for Hopscotch, which is the new product that I'm working on which is product tours, interactive product tours. Um, and so I launched that because I, I was kind of um, going back and forth on this of whether I wanted to go um, landing page first or like get a demo slash working MVP and then like a slightly before launching, like do the, I didn't, I just didn't want there to be like this long period of time where there's like people who signed up and then like six months later, the thing is ready. And it's like, right. hey, you want to sign up? Like the interest is gone by then. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it'll be that long before I can release something. And so and also I just wanted to like start getting some early feedback from from potential customers. So I put that out, um, not expecting much and uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't get much, you know, and it's not one of those like didn't expect much. And like we had a thousand signups. Like, no, I think I have eight people who like signed up on the list yeah. uh, so far. And I'm more than happy with that. Um, because at the same time, I've also been able to like, not everyone has signed up through this form. So there are probably like 15 ish people total that I can go reach out to. And um, now I have this resource to point to and kind of like, it really helped me start thinking about my messaging. And um, I had a lot of this kind of planned before, but now it's, now it's out there. And the benefit of having it out there is I can now talk about it and tweet right. about it and like tweet about the process behind it. And because I'm targeting kind of like solopreneurs, like um, tech entrepreneurs and, and that type of audience. Like the more people that see me tweeting about building this in public and everything, the more interest there will be in it. And I've already seen that like it's just growing like, you know, the followers on the product and the interest of like, I don't know, some of my new 
uh, followers on Twitter are like um, engaging with it and interested in trying it out. So, cool. so yeah, um, landing page is out. That's great. And since that was basically a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe a week and a half ago. And then since then I've been working towards um, getting a working demo that I can put onto the landing page. Yeah. Um, I, you know, wanted, I was really <laughs> de- debating, like, do I just go, cause you kind of have to build a demo slightly differently, like with different, um, a different thought process than how you might build the actual product. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're not really hooking up the data the same way. And like, you know, it's more of a, like, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors. It's, it's just a shell of an application, right. but it's to kind of, um, show what the product actually might be like. Yeah. Um, and I think it's been worth doing because it's, I thought it would take me longer, but it's been about a week uh, working on that. And I am just about ready to ship this out. Maybe today, maybe in a couple days because I work on contract for the first half of the week now. Um, so I do kind of two and a half days on contract. And then I kind of take the other two and a half plus a bit of Saturday, maybe a bit of Sunday on hopscotch stuff. So cool. having that extra time has really like just helped. Like yeah. it feels like I'm actually getting somewhere. It doesn't feel like I'm burning out. Like when I was like trying to do 40 hours a week, you know, plus like trying to think about this, um, you know, this business that I want to start and, and actually build and everything. Like I got to say being able to do like halftime, freelance halftime freelancing or contracting is great i i think i could actually see myself continuing this like um and it's a pretty sustainable approach awesome yeah that sounds that sounds really good and i'm, I'm glad the the part-time is working out it sounds like a, a much better setup i was like even before the podcast this morning i was like i gotta talk about three-day weekends again because man i really want three-day weekends i took Friday off and I realized just what a difference it makes in my productivity even yesterday just to have one day to kind of decompress and then yesterday I felt so much more motivated to work on things like side projects miscellaneous things life admin stuff um then I find myself on the Saturday Sunday but I know it's not my reality right now but just an observation I don't think enough people like pitch that even to their employers like you know take away a percentage like that one day of pay for like having that time i think time is so much more valuable um than the extra cash can be because it just allows you that like yeah that brain resting time that time to like think about what you want to be doing that time like planning time like in, in the same vein of like how i you know would prefer to take on fewer clients throughout the year but then make sure that i'm thinking about how do i get better clients that will like maybe pay more like it actually seems to be working out quite well and i think it's um so like yeah i could recommend that as like a first kind of step for some people if you're not able to if you don't think you'll be able to do like um freelance like and find your own clients and that um just taking an extra day off as as often as you can or if you can like find a way to work that into your um actual like um job structure 
is a pretty interesting way to do it. It's also interesting right now, if it were financially feasible for someone as an individual, given the current climate with COVID and less money flowing into some companies, some founders or bosses might actually be quite open to that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, more so than maybe other times. Uh, Because I actually happen to, you know, know certain people who have had their their work weeks scaled back to three or four day uh, work weeks because of uh, the whole pandemic. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, I I guess the other parts of what I was working on, like going into the like the product demo, just really helped me to like. Um, I had like a really crappy version of the of a demo like two months ago, even. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just went from scratch here and like did like better styles, like incorporated, um, you know, some things like video and um, and just like how the positioning of the tour items will happen. I honestly didn't think I'd even launch with this part, but I kind of just started like, let me just give like a little bit of time to this of like um, one of the things that I I like I'm really trying to take away decisions from the user Mm -hmm. um, and not make them think as much and not put like pressure on them. And one of, and one of these small ways to do that is like a lot of these product tour tools, um, they'll say like, where do you want to place this in relation to the feature that you're kind of highlighting? Right. Um, so say that you have like a button or whatever, and then you would say like, put this on the left of the button or put this on top of the button. But like that, uh, that's first of all, not going to work super well with mobile. If you say like on the left of the button, the whole screen goes down and then it's off the screen or it like makes their like beside scroll. So working towards just automatic positioning. So you just select an element and then it's going to figure out how much room it has around it. It was a lot of like complex, um, you know, calculating and like JavaScript kind of math type of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I got something working out for that that I'm like really stoked on. And so, like, that's just one example of like what I'm trying to do to make th- this like whole process easier for like the people who will be using the product. Right. And it's been really cool to be able to do that um, early on. I also like even just like trying to set up this demo started realizing like there are some use cases that are, are tricky that present themselves like because my um, marketing site has these like subtle animations where um, when you scroll down the elements fade into place and so right. if you just target the element um, then it moves your kind of little highlighter thing doesn't know to move with it unless you like find a way to update the position along the way. And so I did a lot of work to like make sure that you're tracking an element as it moves or as the browser resizes. And, um, and so I'm really excited on like the progress on that front. It looks very simple. And I think that's the thing, like simplicity to the user can really mean like absorbing complexity away from them. Uh, yeah. What else I got? Um, yeah, I have some notes this week because I was just like, oh man, so much stuff happened. Um, a competitor followed me on Twitter. Uh, one of the like, I don't know, like senior VP of Walk Me or uh, like I forget what it, revenue VP or something like that. 
And I was like, oh man, that took like one day for them to find me. <laughs> and like, yeah. But to be honest, they're more of like enterprise grade software, like going after huge contracts. Like they don't even put prices on their pricing page, yeah. which you know what kind of, you know, company that is like it's going after larger clients. And so yeah. I, um, I actually just, I reached out and sent him a message to just say like, Hey, like we'd love to like have a coffee chat or something like, you know, just like for others, like meeting others who are working in the space and um, haven't heard back from them. But I we'll just have to say like, that is such a cam move. It's so funny <laughs> because I messaged you the other day saying like, Oh, I just, I, you know, I, I've been seeing you all over Twitter and I love it, whatever. But one thing that I was thinking as I saw you just, you know, responding to people's posts or introducing yourself or whatever, it's just that your Twitter presence is just such a reflection of you in the real world. Like I've even heard, like I've even had people make comments about that about you before that you just you know you'll just walk up to anyone and start a conversation and it's always just so casual and chill like they're supposed to be talking to you it's like there's no question as to why you've decided to include them in your next joke or whatever it is it's just like very casually slipped in there always so yeah I appreciate that yeah I've feel like I'm finding my way around that like platform and in, in a in a way that can you can make it kind of fun to like I don't know actually use it for like networking and like talking to people and like um yeah I don't know it's really been interesting like I, I've had a few dms that have like come about that are just like chats with other people building things and like yeah it's just like there's a whole community of people who are just kind of like being super helpful like yeah. I was having this issue with like trying to get my email set up for this domain and I just kind of like put up a complaining tweet about it and uh, some this guy like who follows me I don't know him personally but we've just like you know Twitter you find people and stuff yeah. and and he reached out and was like hey I just started at Google let me see if I can help you out and he like really? found some resources and like you know pointed me in the right direction and I was just so ready to give up before that and then he kind of like you know, just pointed me right there. And it's been so cool to like have interactions like that. Another th thing that happened, like I, um, <laughs> Gabby was like, uh, what happened? So I was basically, there was another person, another person working in the space, the like product tours type of like onboarding space. Um, they reached out to me and they're more in the like product tours specifically for the legal, uh, industry Got it. and they reached out on linkedin and we're just like hey we should chat about like you know ideas for collaborating or whatever and so we're scheduling a meeting this upcoming week to just like you know have a have a coffee and like we're both working in the space different customer groups but i'm sure there's a lot of ideas that we could have for like how to work together and like gabby was asking me like how did that come about and i was like oh well <laughs> I like wrote this post on this website capiche or like I replied to this post on this website capiche uh, that is talking about onboarding tours. She's like, how did you find this? I was like, well, this guy on microconf connect Slack group messaged me because they were thinking of me because I was working on this product tours thing. It's like, how did you know this person? It's like, well, I was like commenting on their, <laughs> their Twitter thread and like uh, told them I would love to try out their product. And like, you know, so it's like, this week has really been one of those like weeks where you see that if you just start like helping people, 
start right. putting things out there and like just giving more than you're trying to take like just and like it's super fun like really not expecting anything back but just like going out there and like encouraging people or you know giving feedback on their landing page types of things like that um it's it's been one of those weeks where that has just started like coming inbound back at me so it's been really cool to see that um cool that sounds great yeah that's super funny um yeah it's interesting also like how many of these different communities overlap and how you see some like the same people like in in different spaces yeah it's a makes it a lot easier to connect people to and like the frequency of, of of seeing the same faces in different spaces Honestly, the like, I don't know what the name of that is, uh, that effect of like, you see something like seven times or you see something more and you um, just feel you like them more. You know, it's just a natural tendency to like, like something that you've seen more, even if you don't like cognitively recognize it. Like the, the book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman gets into this where, you know, they would like put certain words, um, I forget like exactly they would put all these words in a text and just show them really quickly. But like people would pick out the ones that came up most often before, even if they didn't like have a specific interaction with it. And so it's kind of like, as you see someone's like name pop up more and more and this, you know, takes me back to like my advertising days of like how many impressions you need Mm -hmm. to have before a user recognizes what your brand is or like what you're, what you're doing. Like it can take 10 impressions or 14, like the number is, you know, debatable, yeah. but it's kind of funny yeah. as you say that I think about how this applies to workplaces as well. You know, there's always certain individuals in workplaces that you'll see all over the place. They're on this committee and that committee and they do this and they do that. And it's interesting, you know, these people are often, often very well liked in the organization. And it's, in, it's interesting, like to what extent is that uh, their contributions, which obviously are probably quite large if they're heavily involved in a lot of spaces, but also just that, you know, you're familiar with them. You see them a lot. Um, so they're like an easy presence as well. Uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. No, I think it's definitely some people are just that, you know, like they are, they spend all their time in that like networking part and it can like have a better impact on your trajectory than like the actual work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think the same can be true about companies, you know, like, and ju- yeah, just like how they, um, they just show up everywhere and like, hopefully you have good product and good kind of like, um, presence as well. Right. And you yeah. can like work on both of those. So, so yeah, for now it's mostly just like personal brand that I'm working on. I don't think I'll be like doing too much tweeting from like this account that has like 10 followers and I don't know that even if it like starts growing that like it'll be a focus, but it's been a cool, like I kind of like tying it back to my personal um, brand of like, you know, this is an independent company and I can just tag that and, um, and then people kind of find it through there. Like I'm honestly using that Twitter profile to like just tag it and like point people to like, here's how you can get to the website if you want. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What I got two more things. Um, I'll try to make them quick. Uh, the last f- Thursday or Friday, I wrote this long like post, um, which I haven't 
really been like i've been mostly just writing like tweets you know like a little and that's kind of got me into this habit of like or like little threads of like actually thinking and writing and like trying to you know compress things into ideas so i i wrote this post on indie hackers which is just a content site for kind of like a blog um and people can go and read it's kind of like a niche community for people who are building and it was about like how i found a potential co-founder but ended up going solo in the end i i don't know how long it is it's probably the longest thing i've ever written like (laughs) just without needing to submit it to a professor or something yeah um and like yeah i don't know it 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 was really fun to write it like actually did really well in terms of like engagement like people like um grabbing onto the story and it was it was fun like it was fun to write this thing and just I kind of want to do more of that is um is kind of where that leads me like I wasn't sure if that was the best way to spend like one of my days off uh or like it was probably a whole morning that I spent like writing this out and then shipped it and um I don't think it will have any real business impact but I do think that being able to like express yourself through written communication is is especially important for building a a business in the early days and I kind of want to focus on some of that for um for hopscotch um more but like start doing it more towards like um brand not branded posts but like you know business focused posts of like um alter like just a blog that is focused on um actual lead generation right and so i'm actually considering hiring someone um to help with content either to write the post but i've also just been thinking like hiring someone to like read over posts that i write and kind of like coach me on it like a a content strategist who could like um guide me on it and maybe do some like editing and finessing to to that i think that might be the best thing for me in especially because limited cash that i want to like i want to keep this um profitable yeah and at zero dollars revenue right now i would be kind of going against that to hire someone like for a few grand to write like five posts or something so yeah but it would be interesting if you could find some type of like a mentor or coach to content or you know also with editing skills and things like that because then it's contributing to the business but i think it will also just contribute to you as an individual in the long run um yeah, just, yeah, I'm sure that people who are experts in the space have have a lot to teach any of us. So, I think coaching and like just, you know, even if it's like not an expert, but having people review your work and like comment on what you're doing and like you know just like doing that is the best way to grow. Yeah, or one of the best ways. Uh, and I saw someone share recently. They said like if you're you know serious about something and you can afford to hire a coach like you know i don't know they said it all um dramatic like and you can afford to hire a coach but you haven't like are you even serious about it yeah and you know i think that's like well it depends on how much you want to dedicate your resources to it but i guess that whole like how how much do you want to dedicate to it talks about how serious are you about it and i found you know it's helped a lot with spanish um i think this is probably the first like one-on-one coach that I've hired (laughs) for anything. Um, And I'm realizing I really like that format. And then I think back to like when we kind of had those lucky opportunities to work with like 
personal trainers and we would show up to those classes and it was just <laughs> you and I. It's like, you know, we had like basically personal sessions and like I saw how much more valuable it is when someone's like, oh, you're moving your, your like your back should be aligned this way or like, mm. you know, really like drawing attention to like you, not just like best practices. So I think there could be a lot of value in doing that for many different things. Um, yeah. And as a solopreneur, like, yeah, you got to like be good at many things. And if you can't afford to like hire things out and probably isn't the best idea to hire things out anyway, you should understand how to grow your business and like the different aspects of it. So, um, so like, yeah, maybe coaching is like the way to get the best value early on. Yeah. It's uh, it's super interesting because like, as you're saying this, I also think that, you know, my, my role in my job is an agile coach and so many, (laughs) so many times, you know, I'm scrolling through Twitter and people have these, like, just these, like, these shit posts about agile coaches and things like that. And I don't even, I don't even engage because I understand the amount of people who've probably been burnt by organizations and managers and coaches and scrum masters who have certain conceptions of agile or force it in certain ways or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. I'm very much a person that has ended up as an agile coach because my style of project management was always just helping teams to collaborate and asking the right questions and, and helping people even individually get into like better head spaces or try new things or experiment. And that's kind of how I've ended up where I am. And I never engage in those posts, I think, because honestly, I'm confident enough in my work that I know that the teams that I work with feel that I'm benefiting their space. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't request me. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just, it's interesting. So I think, yeah, coaching is very valuable. Um, it, I think coaching and mentorship is super valuable. And I think when I was younger, I wish that I had more financial resources to get more one-on-one attention. And you listen to different podcasts as well of even founders who are learning to program. And there's literally sites that are dedicated to getting one-on-one mentors um, for like learning web development because mm-hmm. you can just get such more directed attention uh, than maybe doing a course or a class. And so, yeah, I think um, that approach is super effective, but it's also significantly more expensive than other approaches. So um, I do think that there, you know, one thing that you can do is like, if, if you don't have the financial resources for it, is and this will be harder to like find a good fit and that that could be like a cool op- a business opportunity in itself is, is just like you must have some sort of skill that you mm. could coach on as well like you must be good at something and and so just like finding ways to trade what those skills are like i've i've traded even with with julio our spanish teacher before on just like you know here's how you may want to set up like a podcast or like deal with some content and like uh, stuff like that and we've traded some you know, hours on that front mm-hmm. before. Um, and I think that a lot of people could do that. Like um, I, my friend uh, was like, he's a music producer, but then our other friend is a P- like a pianist and like really knows how to like play, like is like classically trained. And so they were coaching each other, you know, mm-hmm. they would like do these back back to back sessions of like, I'll show you some music production and you teach me some music theory and so, you know, that kind of like trading, um, don't, don't like rate that off. Like that's an opportunity that you could use. And I feel like when you do coaching or like you do have to like distill any sort of teaching, like you have to do any sort of teaching you really can grow yourself as well. Cause like to, 
teach something, you really have to like know it. And yeah. and the best way to <laughs> make sure you know it is to sign up to teach it, I think. Totally. And I think, yeah, one last thing that I'll say is, is as I think this through also, I think that the whole industry and the buzzword of coaching has actually exploded in the past three years. I think someone made a comment to me. It was my brother a few months ago. He kind of said, you know, well, like everyone is a coach nowadays. And he wasn't saying that in reference to my job, but just general life coaching, career coaching, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it's true. There are a lot of people on my LinkedIn and on Instagram, like all the ads I get for coaching. And I think, you know, similar to being a scrum master or an agile coach, when those things like blow up and they become mainstream and so many people are doing it. Yeah. It's hard to figure out like where is the quality, especially in yeah, more generalized yeah. coaching. That's a hundred percent true. But like, I, think I think you're talking think more you're about right. like specialized coaching in certain areas, which um, generally those people probably wouldn't even call themselves coaches a lot of the times. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I definitely see that as well in that I also saw on, I like on, that thread that I was talking about, like people saying like, yeah, but like, how do you know that like someone is good or not? And mm -hmm. it comes down to like referrals and like the references and, and just trying it out. You know, you don't have to commit to like, yeah, <laughs> you're doing it for a long time. If you don't like it, then go try something else, but don't let it burn you away from like, you know, don't let it just burn that idea of like coaching in general. Cause I think, but I do think some people let that happen because totally. they've had bad experiences and I, I don't know. I've definitely had that with, with, um, like hiring an accountant. I, knew I had you a were really, accountant. I, I <laughs> forgot, but, uh, cause I try to block this out of my memory. It's happened twice. Um, I hired an accountant to like help me with my, my taxes and filing them. And like once they just left me, like, you know, um, they helped me prep everything. And then, they had all the files and like all the calculations and everything for like how to go about it. I was super green at like running business side of things. This was like when I was hosting an Airbnb space and then also managing like a band and the, you know, expenses and everything for that. Yeah. And they just left me kind of in the dust when um, CRA came and like wanted to audit which is fine like it happens but like i didn't have any of the numbers or like understanding of how to back it up and so right. this kind of just ended up like getting my tax return like i don't know canceled they're like you know right. taken back and it was a nightmare just trying to get them to like actually act um to like follow through on it and then i found another account and the same thing happened basically like except we didn't even end up working together. They just kind of ghosted off. And so uh -huh. it's, you know, trying to find the right consultants and I found both of them through referrals, but like you gotta, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, now I have like two people that I work with on that, like that I, I met through friends and, um, and one is really focused on the corporate tax side of things. And one is more focused on like personal, like, um personal tax side and it's been really great and like pays for itself a hundred yeah. times yeah that's fair yeah i think it's it's the same for anything like for for counselors too i've had similar experiences of trying people and it, i think the thing that i'll recognize is i get i get the exhaustion when you have bad experiences and the thought of going back into trying that again so i think um mm -hmm. yeah it just kind of goes back to your initial comment where you said you know, if you're serious about this and you have money, 
you don't have a coach. Are you actually serious about it? It's interesting to dig into some of the other aspects as to why people might be apprehensive to go that route. Because when you, if you spend the money and you get burned, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't say is an uncommon thing to happen when you're trying to find a match for you, whether it's coaching, accountant, whatever. Uh, yeah, there's a, it creates some apprehension in doing it again. So I think, yeah, that's an interesting thought around that comment. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I think about that with like finding a co-founder, that post that I wrote and just like the right. whole experience of like my first co-founders like didn't work out super well. There were challenges in that. And then when I like went to go find this next co-founder, like I was so much more apprehensive yeah. and, and likewise he was as well because he had gone through similar um, issues. I think a lot of people go through those types of issues and it's not commonly talked about and there's not really great channels for like vetting people on this so yeah yeah i don't know it's pretty wild um but yeah that it that wraps it up for me like it's been a fun two weeks i'm excited optimistic but you know i still think it's going to be a long path from here like to actually build out the first working version of the product and get that into people's hands could be i I don't even know how long like it's uh and so i but i i don't want to like i definitely want to make sure that i get something out as soon as possible so that i can like make sure that i start serving real customers proving that this is a viable opportunity for me and like i don't want to like waste a whole year and um and then look back and like you know find that this doesn't work like i want to get something out as quick as possible so i'm really just trying to figure out like how do i cut the the right corners to do that yeah 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 cool. so more on that awesome soon. yeah it sounds it sounds great i'm really glad that the the half weeks are, are working out as well it sounds like it's uh a bit rejuvenating to have that space and time so that's cool a hundred percent what's going on with you so um definitely less than you but there's a couple things um <laughs> so yesterday i actually um i tried a new online working session so you remember and also some people listening might remember that uh, previously we did the work gym, which essentially is an online co-working type session. I think theirs were four hours long, uh, with breaks that kind of split into chunks, kind of like a Pomodoro style right. where you work a certain amount of time on a certain amount of time off. And they did that for a certain period of time. Like, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half ago. Um, and I remember us discussing it then, when they had limited scheduling and I was just like, I just want to recruit people and like, yeah. and, and, and just, I would try to like second people from, from the chats. I'd be like, here's my, my Twitter. It didn't work out very well. I was being quite aggressive. Um, I can't believe you actually did that. <laughs> anyways, I bet I'm not the only person who did it because now there's a bunch of other services. So I thought um, that I would try one out this weekend And so I guess I'll just, I'm going to just recap my experience with the two that I looked into. So the first one that I looked into was Weekend Club and, or sorry, uh, yeah, Weekend Club. I think that's what it's called. I'm confusing it with another service called Lunch Club. Mm -hmm. Too many clubs. Um, (laughs) And they meet every- My domain is hopscotch.club because it was all that was available. (laughs) Yeah. So people love clubs now, Um, which you know what? Feels inclusive. So uh, I'll join your club. And (laughs) so they- I believe do theirs every Saturday and they're full day sessions and they are um, meant to be for people who are working on starting businesses. I don't know if there's a distinction of, oh, we're all bootstrappers or not. I didn't get that deep into it. 
And I think mm-hmm. they run their sessions. They do a daily, they do a stand up in the morning. Then I believe you have an accountability buddy. Then there's some forms of check-ins. Even reading through it, I was like, seems a bit much for me. Mm-hmm. I do believe in the value of this kind of structure. However, my weekdays are completely structured like that. I would just like to be a little more go with the flow. Point being, I was willing to try it. I clicked to sign up. They have a month free trial. And then I think what really bit them was like, I couldn't just sign up for a session the next day. They were like, oh, we're, we'll get back to you in the next like one to three days or something. And immediately I was like, okay, that was, ah, you really messed it up, you know? Be- especially because I ah. knew in my mind, I was like, oh, there's this other site that does the same thing that I had been advertised because clearly these are the kinds of things I do. So mm-hmm. I just want to mention that like, what an easy way to lose a customer. And it's also interesting because their first month was a free trial. This will come into play in my next comment. So I went to another site called Cave Day, which interesting name. Seems a bit intense <laughs> for me. Uh, I think it's called Cave Day or Cave Club. Who knows? Um, I think Cave Day. And they, I, what I like about theirs is they, they have a bunch of sessions available, but they run them in sprints um, within the sessions. So each session is just like an hour, like it's like 50 minutes or so. And then you can do the next one and the next one. So I'm not committing to a whole day and I'm not committing to, um, you know, four hours, but you can go and attend these these sprints and stay on or, or, or depart. It doesn't feel weird. Their process was super easy to sign up. They didn't have a free trial. They charged me right away. They were like $40 for your first month. And I was like, Okay, sure. I, well, I want to try this. So, like, no trial. No, there was no trial. But I, wow. I just also thought it was so interesting, like the different approaches in these services. Like the one over here, free trial. We're gonna get back to you in one to three days. So I completely dropped off. And the other approach of pay us now and you'll have access right away. Like they got money from me and I got to try it right away. Like it just, yeah. Anyways, it was it was kind of like. A, yeah, no, I'm thinking so much in this space r- lately yeah. ab- about just because like the tool that I'm working on, first of all, is like in the onboarding space right. and, you know, helping people onboard. And so I'm any new tool that I'm going through, I'm thinking about this. And and yeah, I think there's just so many companies that are leaving like just like way too much, um, way too many opportunities for people to just like bounce out. Yeah. And yeah, there there are so many different um, things that have to align for them for you to have like that good onboarding experience. Like it, you know, when you sign up, like is are you able to use it right away? Like I I sign up for one tool and you have to like wait, like you like start importing your statements and then it's like check back in twenty four to forty eight hours and yeah. you're like by that point like I'm trying other tools and stuff like that. You got to be like super quick. Um, and then actually someone had messaged me about, or someone who signed up for the beta, um, said that people were dropping off, um, in their, uh, in their onboarding process. And then I went and tried it myself. I went and tried the onboarding Mm -hmm. process and it was like, because at this point they're asking you for a credit card, but like, I haven't seen what I'm getting yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, um, but it's also not like credit card to pay. Like if it's credit card up front and you're like, you're paying for this, but you're getting the value immediately. There's like an element of kind of like, well, I'm committing to this, so I'm going to try it, you yeah, know? And yeah. it, I think early stages, that's really important for like getting valuable feedback from people who are like 
eager to find a solution to this, which I think speaks to like why it worked for you versus like have a trial, use it whenever you want. You're kind of like, you know, you're like, well, there's way less pressure to like actually do this. Um, but like, I think you need to like show the value to your users as early as possible. And sometimes that means like, um, I don't know for, um, savvy Cal, for example, is like a calendar booking tool Mm -hmm. that I, I use and they let you sign up and then you don't pay or like you don't pay until you just want to publish your links. Right. But you can set up the whole link. You can preview it yourself. And so there's this like you get to get see the value. You know what you're going to be getting out right. of this tool. You know how the UX works. You know how like the interface is and everything. And so it's kind of like sh- how can you show that value as quickly as possible and then like convert them? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think with I'm, services like I find these. It super interesting. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it. I was like, I also think with services like these co-working spaces, they outline pretty clearly how the sessions are going to run. So I already know I might show up and think, oh, your facilitator is not great or super great. Maybe there's no one else who showed up. Like there could be weird things that happen. But for the most part, I I know what to expect. So I'm Mm -hmm. willing to pay to try it. You know? Yeah, I thought I thought you made an interesting point about also if they take my money then I'm going to try it, right? So then yeah. also they can really quickly validate if I'm going to be a uh, a returning customer or not. Like I've given them money, I've tried it. And then if I cancel, then they have a whole realm of exploration to understand. You know, why was someone willing to give me money and try this but then left? So yeah, churn um, is, is a much different metric than um than like the trying to filter out free trial signups, yeah. like trials. Yes. I think like active churn is proving that your product isn't quite there. It doesn't have enough to it. And I think like you, c- if you have this like free trial stuff getting in the way, then it can just add noise because there's going to be just an inherent percentage of people that don't convert through. Yeah. And so if you have all these, uh, especially if you have like analytics tools and events going on, it's like, oh, like, like you almost have to, f- filter out the trials or have a way to filter out trials from when you're managing those events so that you know like the people who are churning versus the people who are just testing out the waters and and stuff it's yeah quite interesting it is it is quite interesting so that was just like an anecdotal story from my experience of trying to sign up for one of these because i wanted to try something other than uh work gym Mm -hmm. and um also uh so yeah, I, I love these types of sessions um, when I sit down to do them. And it's funny, I was thinking back to my earlier 20s. Like I, I thrive on accountability or just having people around is a big motivator for me. Mm-hmm. As you know, I like to co-work. But I was thinking back to my my earlier years in Toronto and I used to even organize like a PD Saturdays group where everybody right. would meet at this cafe and we had a, a, a Google Circle. Was that what they were called? I don't know. We had something on Google. <laughs> what was that platform called? Eek. Plus? Google Plus, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, we had a circle there or something like that uh, where we would post every Saturday and people would come and they were mostly all people that I knew. Um, but I just really liked that space and uh, I like doing it virtually as well because I don't have to leave my house, although that would mm-hmm. be nice. Um, so I did <laughs> uh, I did the, the session yesterday. It was great. I just did one sprint. So I'd like to, because I had Spanish after, but I'd like to try doing a couple of the sprints on um, this Cave Day app. I thought the facilitator was really lovely and they have a very different style than the work gym. 
a mm-hmm. lot less um like I feel like everyone at the work jam is very like biohacker, optimize everything. Don't super a- academic, like pseudoscience yeah. driven. They'd be like, here's a paper on why you only need to sleep two hours a night. Like things like <laughs> yeah. that. And that was just like- yeah. It's amazing how much the culture behind something like this plays into how you experience it and want to use the product. Even yeah. though you're just sitting on a zoom call almost in silence for like most of it. Yeah. But there's those like whatever two to or eight minute like s- times in between where there's like someone like a facilitator talking or like the way that they're yeah just like messaging works in their emails and their all that that yeah. like builds this kind of like brand in your mind of like how you perceive them and yeah, that's that can be enough to be like, you know what, just not getting the right vibe from this. And, totally. and because of that, I want to try something else. And it's funny because when you read again, cave day seems very intense to me. So I didn't know what I was getting yeah. into. But the facilitator I had anyways, we did exercises in the middle, like rub your hands together, like, you know, like, for like <laughs> I don't know, 15 seconds. Then when we clap, when we all clap, that's when it starts. And we did a group stretch together. Uh, nice. yeah it was anyways it was good I I would recommend it so far I'm gonna keep trying it out I am um, point being I wanted to share that but what I was working on um, yesterday was digging a bit into some of the slack app stuff so um, what I did yesterday I mentioned before that there's an open source app that's similar but also quite dissimilar to what we're trying to do and so my goal for yesterday was to successfully set that up locally like set up the database and set up all the mm-hmm. connections and all that which i'm sure to some people listening they're like that sounds easy but for me like you know that wasn't easy um, No, that sounds uh, that it can be hard to get open source tools up and running yeah so i i did that i that's at, awesome at some point i got stuck i asked for assistance but uh i wasn't able to get the help i needed um but eventually i figured it out so that was good it's also super nice to have um my partner in the house who when I do he's my coach when I need assistance I can call on him but it was also like for me it's uh stepping into the mindset of being humble and asking for help because sometimes Mm -hmm. I would rather sit somewhere for two hours than ask for help so uh that -hmm. is always a lesson for me anyways I got that up and running which was uh super interesting and then I just started taking some time going through the actual like code behind the app which was very overwhelming for me because the extent of my programming right now is like beginner JavaScript. So it's very different than trying to look through an entire app and understand how it works. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it was a lot. Um, So with that being said, basically my plan of action right now, there's a, I found like a bunch of, I did a bunch of research on different tutorials for building Slack apps. So as part of kind of setting up this one locally, I had to do all the configuration stuff on Slack sides too. So I understand how a bunch of the configuration works for setting up apps, but it's like actually the programming of the app side that I'm like completely uncertain about. So mm-hmm. I I just looked at a bunch of tutorials for programming very simple apps. So I just kind of want to go down that route first just to get some more knowledge. And then from there... Yeah, like try to get the hello world exactly. of Slack apps going where it, um, you post a message to an API and then it like comes through in the Slack yes. group or something. Exactly. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I did that and like 
that's such a cool feeling too when it the message finally comes through so yeah. i'm really excited for you to like um work further on that i don't know it's really cool yeah and I, I was like really enjoying it yesterday and and i do want to work on this with diego and obviously you know he's a developer so i'm sure i could save a lot of time by going at this in a different direction but i'm really enjoying this and so yeah i'm i'm trying to do that but i also you know i'm as i'm going through different tutorials and listening to people and reading articles it obviously sends you down a rabbit hole of like what is this infrastructure? What is this library? What is this thing? So I have just oh, kind yeah. of a long list of uh, things that I'm trying to wrap my head around. Um, but yeah, my hope is to just figure out building kind of those simple, like you said, like hello world situations. And that because I don't know, I'll just feel better about myself if I have some understanding there. And then I'll probably work with Diego on trying to architect like based on what we want this to do. What does the setup actually need to look like? What do we need to build? Um, he's much more of like a take direction type of person. So um, mm -hmm. I've realized, I think if, if we're going to do this together, it will very much be like me leading and providing asks in terms of like what needs to get developed. And then I think he really has the brain to give like a lot of insight into like best practices around that and things we should consider. But um, mm -hmm. I think based on our dynamic, yeah, there definitely needs to be like somebody uh, spearheading the effort more aggressively. Yeah, that that's cool. It puts you in in a product manager position, mm -hmm. and you know, as a product manager, there's uh, it sounds like a really good way to approach it because you do get to do this experimentation with APIs and and kind of like you're learning code and you're also like understanding what the you know you're going and trying out the competitors products like finding where it falls flat finding mm -hmm. what parts you like about it like where would you kind of like merge those worlds and 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 how can you build something of your own out of that and if you can put those ideas into you know i i think that can be one of the hardest parts of like building good products is is just that um coming up with the concepts and like the i guess yeah I don't, I don't even know how how else to say that of just like how to approach the problems yeah. because like you can have people come and say like this is my problem i need it solved but like the way that you go about it can be so different and like it can be a joy to use or it can be a challenge to use and um and so i i love that side of things and it's going to become even cooler as you do get to play with like apis and stuff like mm -hmm. What I what I love about like actually doing this um, solo founder type of thing is that I don't have to tell like as a, as a developer like in Diego's shoes for example like your partner's shoes for example um, you're kind of waiting on direction and like I'm good at that as well like knowing how to take a set of requirements and then going and finding the best way to do it mm -hmm. but like building that list of requirements. Sometimes I want to just like play around with an API, like build a little sandbox tool, like this demo that I'm working on, like build it in like three different ways or like, oh, that abstraction's not working. And like, you know, it may be simple at the beginning, but like you're going to learn so much as you go through that. And um, I don't know. It's yeah, really and it's I think fun. There's like, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for really like, I'm not going to call like from let's say from a code perspective, like really shitty prototypes of how things might work. And I say that also, I had an interesting experience last week where I, I mentioned to you that I 
I do something like this at work, but it is a no code solution. So it is a hookup between Microsoft Power Automate and a spreadsheet. And Mm -hmm. interestingly, I think at this point, one, two, three, four teams are now using it at the organization. And they're not all teams that I've been a coach on. So I had somebody reach out to me last week, a developer, and he basically reached out saying, I heard you have this thing. Can you show me how it works? And they said, mm-hmm. as long as you don't judge me, I'm happy to walk you through it. <laughs> um, but interestingly, then I walked him through it and then we kind of like like just workshopped it for a little bit together of, of how we might set it up for his team or do it differently. And then he took it away and made it at least like seven times to 10 times better, even just using the no-code tools because like being a developer, he was able to think about how to set up the automation a bit differently Mm-hmm. Um, and make it even more user friendly. So yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. I think to start with something and then bring in people who are you know more expert status to to refine things as well. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I'm I'm learning the value of very scrappy prototypes. That's that's fun stuff. Yeah. Um. So I think that's that's honestly it for me in terms of that space. Uh, work has been very busy. We we kick off our, I think I mentioned this in our last podcast, but we kick off our org-wide OKR setting in January. And so the team that I coach, I took on kind of running all of our sessions for that, um, which was super successful. Uh, it was the first time that we were able to essentially include everyone from the team in like a very structured way to come together and set these goals, which I think um, yeah, I'm super proud of the the process that one of my teammates put together and that I was able to adopt. And uh, I'm looking forward to see how how objectives go in a quarter where like there's much heavier team involvement. So um, that's what I've primarily been uh, spending my time on the past couple of weeks. I'm curious because I used to work at Ecobee and I think that the OKRs thing, like I have a much better grasp of it now. Um, but at the time... I found it really difficult to understand. And I think a lot of the maybe squads or teams are, were having the same challenge because it would kind of be this like, you know, there would be these like overarching OKRs at like the um, sea level, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, yeah. And then, and then it would be, you would kind of like be asked to s- set your OKRs to like funnel up to that, but also, so like, it was just confusing for us in a in a way to um i remember sitting on on a team and we were just like do we just make them like an extension of that or do we build our own okrs and like like they can be completely separate or not like i'm curious how you think about that from a company direction to a individual team and like merging those worlds as much as you're comfortable getting yeah, into yeah. So, uh, i don't think it's too right specific now. Um, um, yeah. So if it is too much like in the weeds, then no, we no, don't I have think to get like I can it. also talk about this like a bit abstractly. So in an ideal yeah. scenario, it would, it, it would kind of work as you're describing, which I don't think is the reality where, you know, your organization or at least like your business unit, your product line has this one core objective. And then like teams below it might have more objectives that funnel up to that. But I think in order for teams to make really good decisions about their objectives, they need very clear thinking from the top. Um, but mm-hmm. in terms of kind of doing that on a team level, the way that we approached it, because I, I think that a lot of teams 
go into brainstorming sessions and they and the idea is like, well, here's the org objective. So what do we do? And that's such a hard, such a hard conversation to have, especially if people are not super familiar with OKRs, which is definitely you might the not case. be like um, you might not be that type of person like you might be individual contributor. Like like you said, some people are really good at delivering. They're not totally. like planning and like future focused. Right. So. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is that um, oftentimes what happens because people struggle in those situations to brainstorm or come up with ideas, then, and, and like you said, some people are individual contributors. Some people are really worried about the product and its features and its revenue. And so as a team, how do you set OKRs? There should probably be a healthy balance between things we're working on internally, things we're working on for our user, et cetera. Um, so often what happens when we try to brainstorm like that is one to two people will take it on. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the team just learns about it. And it, it, it essentially means nothing to them. They just continue delivering whatever is being requested of them, but often don't keep those OKRs in mind. So mm-hmm. in terms of the sessions that, that we ran, the way that it, it begins is that we, we essentially get everyone on the team to articulate struggling circumstances that they're having. Um, so it might be like uh, our team is like, we don't have enough SRE knowledge or um, our our repeated error rates are too high or we are not meeting our revenue targets or Mm -hmm. we have a bad NPS score in this area. And so we really start to get people to think about struggles of both themselves, their users, their product, um, like their domain. So if it's like development or QA or whatever it is, um, because it's a lot easier to think about things that you're struggling with than to be like, this is our objective. And so throughout the, the process is meant to bring those things to the forefront. And then there's kind of a whole uh, system for helping the team prioritize like the will do's and the won't do's in terms mm-hmm. of like what struggles are really important for us to work on in the upcoming quarter that we think we can, you know, make movement on. Um, mm-hmm. So we go through a process of prioritization, which I won't get into right now. Cause it'll be like a bit heavy to explain. Um, And then from there, we basically go into breakout groups around those struggling circumstances. So you might end up with like two to three remaining and you have people answer questions like what like what would it look like if like this struggle was like no longer a struggle. Right. And so the interesting Mm -hmm. thing is when you try to like flip those struggles into the opposite situation, that starts to get you toward more um, objective type language. And so it's an easy way to get people to start framing mm-hmm. these objectives without saying, what's your objective for the quarter? Um, and it's like turning your pain points into goals. Right. And, and then yeah. we also ask questions like, um, how can you validate that this is actually a struggle? Um, like, what could we measure to indicate um, that this was no longer a struggle? So we st- so that's when we start to get people thinking about KRs. So first we want to say like, how would you frame this if it was no longer a struggle? Also, like, how can we validate it? It definitely was a struggle because we want to be able to prove that it's not just something you don't like. Like, this is actually a struggle for the team. Mm-hmm. And then by asking people kind of what metrics they can think about, that's where we start being able to figure out what our key results might be. Like, how do we metricize this objective? So interestingly, this type of exercise um, involves everyone in the team it generally gets us to objectives and KRs that are both um, related to our product, also related to like individual and specific domain struggles. Um, And it's just, it's an easier flow 
to get to that like end state language than often starting with just kind of like an open canvas. Uh, so I really think the structure of it works. And I think it gets us away from objectives that are just like earn X million dollars, like which, you know, team members will openly state does not inspire them at all. And it doesn't help yeah, them know like, what they should do. Unless you are a sale, like an SDR, like you're not going to have a way to directly impact that. Right. You might be able to indirectly impact that through, you know, and I found that was one of the biggest challenges, like as an individual contributor at the time was like trying to funnel up to things that were like, I can only have so much indirect impact, um, you know, to, to, make that happen and so it kind of felt like i don't know maybe just like trying to tell a different story to how you're building like the the plans but so does this include like your your plans i guess for like a team's roadmap in in a way of what they would work on like in that quarter is like we want to work on these projects like i wonder if there's any um room there because and i don't know if you still do this but we would do like a presentation of like here's our proposed okrs Mm -hmm. um you know to like senior management and you know it it's kind of like you like put this like you put all this time into the thing and then like you're like here's what it is um but like it would be almost great to be like this is kind of like our proposed solution based on what we think but like does that mesh with you like and you know, or like, here are some options. It's like, we could, cause you're always going to have like, we could work on project X, Y, or Z, and they're all going to move the needle in different ways. Which one's going to move the needle the the quickest, the fastest, the, the quickest, the most effectively, you know, and right. like the whole um, framework for like figuring out like what you should work on. Like, I don't know. I'm curious, like, does that, does that happen when you present these? And it like, you, maybe you tweak them based on feedback or yeah yeah that's exactly what happens so essentially the format in which we do it is we have our objectives so that's like the high level pie in the sky more like aspirational statement then you have your key results and those are the things that you're saying like we need to we need to move these metrics the most important thing for us to do is move these metrics so an example might be like we need 3,000 active subscribers and then you'll have like a work plan so a work plan is meant to be like how you think you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. A place where most organizations are stuck is like they have this idea of a roadmap and they're locked into it and it's very waterfall. And we still mm-hmm. deal with a lot of that, to be honest. But the hope from really framing this from like true objectives and KRs is that you have your potential work plan, but that those are like experiments. Like the actual goal is to get like that 3000 subscribers. So like do whatever you need to, to get to that 3000 subscribers, because you've decided that's the most important thing to do, right? Like that's how you're going to prove you've achieved your objective. And so often it is a space where um, our executives can see, okay, these are your objectives. We agree with your KRs. And then they will dig into some of the strategy and ask them like, have you considered doing this other thing? Or why are you prioritizing X over Y? How will you know to keep going with like that experiment or cut it off? Um, So a lot of people within their work plans will include immediate metrics. So like if we're doing this experiment, if we're trying this thing, what is something that we can measure as we're doing it to decide like, do we need to try something else or is this working? Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. um, But the idea is that it should lend to flexible work plans. Um, Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Even as a, 
you know, indie hacker type, like just, I, I don't set goals at that same length, like quarterly or whatever, but um, like, cause that would be not a good way to work. But like, I do enjoy kind of like setting, like, what is my main goal right now? And how do I think I can get there? Like, what are the minimum steps to get there? Right. Um, and I find it very helpful. Like I, you know, I have, I actually, in terms of like how I work, I have this notion page for hopscotch or whatever project I'm working on at the time. And usually I'll have like a board of tickets that are like in progress or whatever and or like to work on and each of them can have like detailed notes and stuff like uh, about like how I might approach those. And so anytime I'm thinking about like how am I going to do like the positioning of the cards or how am I going to deal with like the triggers like what triggers these things I can go and add notes to those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I just end up with like all these this like massive list of like to do items in the and it's like hard to to manage and so I'll either like build I'll either like filter that list down or to be quite honest usually I'll just like have up in the page I'll just write one of those little like like just some uh bullet points of like main goal right now do this and here are three things that you can do to like achieve that right um and like I'll even try to do that um and then just reset it every so often when I'm achieving that or like if it's not happening at the cadence that I want, then I'll, I'll maybe like think what can I cut or like, or just give myself permission to keep going or decide if I need to abandon that part and like move on to something else. So yeah, I think like it's not something, sorry, ju- I'm yeah. just, uh, it's not something that is only for larger organizations. Yeah. It might be less structured, but like it's a similar type of approach that you can use to like keep yourself focused. Yeah. And I think like, as you say that, the thing that comes to my mind is like uh, that makes sense because if you have a large list of items or even a small list of items, you can't pri- you can't truly prioritize things by just saying like, what do I think is most important? Like you don't have a rubric for what important means. So if you have those other goals and you're saying like, these are the two to three things I can do to get there. Like that's your rubric. Like it's like you want to get there. So what are the most important things to do to, to reach that? And I think mm-hmm. unless you have that, you're just kind of flailing and prioritizing because you're, yeah, you're, you, you haven't really defined like what important is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's so hard to, to nail that, but just like throwing the board away can be the best way to do it yeah. sometimes. And I think yeah. um, it changes, right? So right now what's important or what your goal is or your KR or whatever it is, is going to be different than maybe four months from now. And so you'll mm-hmm. prioritize those things differently based on what your immediate goals are. Yeah, I feel like those like overarching like long lasting ones are more like your mission statement almost of like, you know, for for hopscotch like it's it's just like be helpful and right. like that's kind of just like a the core is like let's help people. Yeah. Um but it's vague and but it it gives you something to like point up to at a top like overarching like is this in line with our our core mission and then you can have like your core values that maybe are built building up to that like maybe slightly more expanded upon and then and then for the things that change are are these objectives and key results or they may change or they may not like you may still have one of your objectives like be just like delight your customers every day and like the way and then you like find ways to do that it might be there every quarter or every time you're setting this uh, correct me if I'm I'm wrong on this, but like that's how I would think about it. Is like 
maybe there are some that you really need to focus on and and others that just happen naturally yeah and i think are, there's mixed opinions yeah. on that people who keep certain persistent krs and or like the objective level the objectives O's, um mm. and then other people who believe that your objective should actually only reflect what it is that you're trying to achieve in that time period but still that that seems like it could be persistent so i don't know um yeah i mean i'm definitely no expert and just that so yeah, yeah that makes sense <laughs> there's always like different ways of approaching it yeah so i mean that was uh yeah i didn't expect to dig into that as deeply as we did but uh sorry no no you don't need to apologize um but yeah i think that that pretty much wraps it for me and we're we're quite long on time now as well but uh this has been a great conversation so worth it yeah that was fun well we will catch everyone next time uh if you want to find us then uh yeah find us on twitter at work pals awesome take care ciao bye